0: All right, here we are, roller Around with the Barrel, Vintage Baseball Podcast. It's Christmas season. I know the first, first question on your minds, everybody. Is Rudy here? Believe me, that's the question on all of our minds that are in the Zoom right now. The answer is no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Rudy's wiping the Christmas off himself, and he'll be in here in a minute. Uh, we're going to get to the warm-up. Uh, let me go over a couple of things coming up before we bring in our, our first uh, our first guest. Don't forget, on December 23rd, we are releasing our interview with Santa Claus. That is family-friendly. That's very PG. It's the best thing we've ever done. You're going to want to listen to that interview Rudy and I do with Santa Claus. Uh, I promise you, it's it's the best thing we've ever done. Am I overselling it? It is the best thing we've ever done. Uh, We only have a couple episodes left before the end of the season. On uh, our last episode, we have the episode tonight. We have an episode tomorrow night. And then our season ender is with Tom uh, Fasolowicz. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Big Bat out on the East Coast. Will be our season ender. And during that interview, we're going to... We're going to send out the link while we're doing the interview and allow anybody to come in and get a question from Rudy, from Tom, and from me. It's going to be 30-second uh, interviews, uh, and then we're just going to kick your ass back out of the Zoom, so it's going to be amazing. Uh, and also, my last note is officially, Rural Arnaldo is attending the Sulphur Dell Cup in Tennessee next year. It's September 16th and 17th, uh, they're doing it in Spring Hill. I hope I'm not breaking news that they didn't want broken at the uh, Ripavelli, Ripavilla Plantation is where they're playing it next year. So that was the one thing we're going down to do play-by-play of the matches for the Dell Cup, and of course, we have committed to the Ohio Cup and the World's Tournament for next year, the World's Tournament in Dearborn, Michigan, so... Uh, now we can start filling out the rest of our schedule where we're going to go and do play-by-play of matches and everything and blah, 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 blah. Let's start the show. Uh, coming in first for the warm-up, Soda Boots from Colorado. Michael, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. How are you?
0: Uh, doing great. If you go back in the archives of the Roller Around the Barrel uh, show podcast, uh, in season one, Michael was one of my very first interviews, it seems like, forever ago. and uh, yeah, And Michael uh, contacted me. There's a, an event going on in Colorado next year, and he wanted to – and he's doing something everybody should be taking advantage of because of how many people this podcast reaches. He wants to reach out, talk to everybody about the event, and see uh, maybe he can uh, – drum up some interest for some clubs to travel to Colorado. Michael, tell us all about it.
1: All right. So, yeah, 2023 is our 30th anniversary of the Colorado Vintage Baseball Association. And we'd love to invite any club, any single player to come out and play with us. It's uh, June 24th and 25th up in uh, historic Victor, Colorado. That's 6th. Just below 10,000 feet. So we're going to be playing a tournament at 10,000 feet. So all you uh, oxygen lovers, this will be a challenge for you. But you, you'll be able to hit the ball much further.
0: You, Is that true? You'll just
1: have to watch out for the <laughs> rattlesnakes on the field. And, uh, you know, it's, we do play barefoot on this field. So you, you, you kind of watch out for the rattlesnakes. But we're going to be playing, playing baseball. It should be a really great event and festival for that weekend. We're gonna have a German disturber at third bag, which that means we will have beer at third bag for any runner that decides not to stop. You know, decides to stop there and not proceed to home. Nice. And we'll, uh, you know, it's with the town of Victor, the American Legion. It's gonna be a great event. There's gonna be beer flowing. You know, bats swinging. It's gonna be a great time. We have a few teams already committed: the Topeka Westerns, mm. uh, the Canton Corn Shuckers. Oh. Uh, uh, a conglomeration, I believe, of a St. Louis team. I'm still kind of waiting the exact confirmation, but we got some room for others, so we'd like to invite everyone out there. You know, uh, it's going to be a great time. Our 30th anniversary only happens once, so
0: come on out. A shout out to the Topeka Western Westerners. Uh, I've always been trying to get somebody on the show, and I've never been able to get in contact with somebody. So if they're listening to this, I need somebody from Topeka to be on the show. Uh <laughs> well
1: yeah so. I'll, I'll I'll definitely you know uh, nudge him to you know give you give you a call so they're what, a great group of guys.
0: What were the dates uh, of this event?
1: This will be uh June 23rd, 24th and 25th and that is uh up in Victor, Colorado.
0: Victor, Colorado. Do you really notice do you really notice the ball traveling farther?
1: Uh Yes, you do. I mean, it, it is at 10,000 feet, you know, so you, you it, it travels a little further. Um, I mean, it's just, it's actually one of the probably oldest still played on recreational fields in Colorado. You know, they've been playing on it since 1890. So it's uh, going to be a great time.
0: All right. Tell everybody uh, the best ways to contact you.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, Hey, thank you. So yeah. Uh, you know, you can uh shoot me an email at uh commissioner.cvbba at gmail.com, or you can go to our website cvbba.org, and that has links to contact me. Uh I mean here, I'll give out my, my cell phone number if 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 you want, you know, a seven two oh six zero nine zero one three four. You can directly call me or text me.
0: Yes, and if and if you are hearing this and you aren't Interested in going to Colorado? I'd like everybody to prank phone call Michael uh, at some time <laughs> over the next month. I think you Please see, do. I just want everyone to call you and say, uh, Is your refrigerator running? And when you say well, yes. If, if that
1: happens, <laughs> I'll know you're a vintage baseball player and I'll just have your contact information. So I'll just hound you about coming out.
0: Call him from work.
1: It's a win win situation. <laughs>
0: All right, Michael, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you for having me. And uh, Canton's going to be at the event. So, for some reason, I end up at all the events that Canton's at. So, uh...
1: well, you're welcome out here, too. You know, we'll buy you some beers and uh, get you a good seat on the stands. So,
0: does my voice sound better and low oxygen? I don't, is that a thing? Will it go deeper?
1: I, that I don't know, but we can definitely give it a try out.
0: Colorado, welcome. All right. Uh, (laughs) All right, Michael, you have a good holiday season. Thank you again. Good to see you, bud. Hey, you too. Thank you. And that was Soda Boots from the old Colorado area signing off now.
1: You all have a good one. Can't wait to hear it.
0: And uh, thank you for that. and we we're gonna move on to our main guest. uh that doesn't sound that doesn't sound cool. Main guest <laughs> our next guest uh, the <laughs> the we're moving on to what we call the match. See, our episodes are sometimes broken off into two parts. We do a warm up on a subject now that one only lasted like five minutes ish. usually they last twenty to thirty minutes uh and then we do our regular format of an hour long interview getting to know everything about a vintage baseball player from his vintage baseball to his life uh i looked up this guy he didn't give a lot of information except a lot of sarcastic answers on the internet so <laughs> i don't <laughs> we're going we're going to have to dig a little deeper uh, let's bring in our guest Right here. Uh, the official Roller on the Barrel show. I am your host, the Barrel Roller, Matthew Bernard. I have a co-host. Nobody believes it. Uh, nobody believes I've had a co-host, but he's been here. I be- He's not, you know, Santa's real, and so is my co-host. He's somewhere out there. Uh, but we're going to bring in our guest, and we're going to go right to work on uh, learning everything about him. He's from the Westfield-Wheelman Vintage Baseball Club in Massachusetts. He's Dan Gunner Genovese. Is that how the New Yorkers <laughs> say it? That's the New Yorkers. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> the correct that's, pronunciation that's is Genovese. Is that right? Yeah, I that's re- the Springfield-Mass area. I can read my own writing. I'm so happy. Uh, nice. Dan, how you doing? Welcome. I'm great. This is uh, this is an
2: honor. You know, you, you watch back at some of the uh, previous shows, and uh,
0: I'm pretty excited about it. Show, share my – Look at all that moving I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Am I moving? You are moving. Uh, all right. Got to love technology. No, you don't have to. Dan, Massachusetts <laughs> baseball, uh, we've been talking to a lot of East Coaster guys on this show. We've, I don't think we've hit Massachusetts yet uh how many how many clubs are currently uh, playing in Massachusetts
2: well let's see uh, I guess depends uh you say currently um, geez I, I think in the western part of the state it's pretty much us you know in the eastern part of the state there's a there's a couple of teams in the Boston area Um you know we don't spend a lot of time out there however you know we'll we'll spend time you know playing against providence and hartford so you know we're in the springfield area so we're you know we're we're a lot closer to hartford and 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 you know providence and you know that way and then upstate new york so we kind of go you know we kind of go out out of state cuz that's where that's where all the teams are you know um we were a hotbed for a short time but uh, they just kind of faded away
0: Uh, yeah, tends to happen. So what is a, what is a schedule? In fact, we can go over, uh, your schedule from 2022. If, uh, you want to just do a quick review of that, what does a schedule look like for you guys? For this year? You know, for recent years, who, who are you playing? How far are you traveling?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll, uh, we're starting, we're starting to do more of the, uh, uh, the festivals, like this past year, we did Gettysburg, which was great. Um, we didn't do Old Bethpage, which we've been doing for years and years. We're going to go back there this year, though. Um, you know, uh, I know you had Nick uh, from the Dairyman on a couple of weeks ago. We'll be going back up there to the Cowtown Classic, which was a great time, great ball field. So, you know, we're starting to, to do a lot more of the festival-type things because we can get uh, – you know, a number of games in, in a short period of time. Um, and, I, you know, believe it or not, we, we actually travel pretty good. You know, um, we have a core of about, let's say eight to 10 players. And, you know, and usually those eight to 10 players will make it. And then occasional substitutes, you know, those for the overnights. So that's, uh, so we do travel pretty good compared, actually compared to our regular season which is kind of weird, but I think they just look forward to it, getting out of the house.
0: Yeah, if on your 2022 schedule looks like you had six dates. Uh, Now, that's a limited amount of dates, but you are playing some events where you're getting multiple games, which is always a great idea. Right. Are those guys on your club, are they barnstorming with other clubs during these off weeks?
2: Well, you know, uh barnstorming um a lot of our guys play modern ball, uh play softball. So they're they're playing a lot. You know, when I first started this team, I was pretty aggressive with our schedule. We had a lot more teams in the area and uh so I was I was booking games pretty much weekly or at least twice a month. And uh you know, that got to wear on people, you know, as far as um, you know, building up loyalty. So, if I can whittle it down to one event per month, um, and you know, that's why we travel so good because they they know in advance, uh, they know that this is it for this month. I don't want to miss it, so they'll uh, you know they'll take their time off or they they'll they'll book it with their family just to be sure. So, you know, it's it's all about scheduling success and, and getting the most out of your players. So, that's that's our goal. And then you know, end of the day, we have a great time.
0: Well, Dan, how did you come across vintage baseball uh, in the beginning?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great story. Uh, I think it was in two thousand four or two thousand five that ESPN played a uh, an overhand baseball game from between Hartford and Pittsfield, and they played it up at Wakona Park in Pittsfield, Mass. and And I was just drawn to it. Um, because it was in sepia it wasn't in color and i don't know if you remember that at all but that was like wow that is the coolest thing i've ever seen so a few weeks later um or maybe it was the next summer uh those two teams played in west springfield which is the next town over so i went to uh to talk to the players uh to talk to the teams to find out what it's all about, what it takes, and uh, Grit Moran or Chris Moran, um, you know, very well-known, I'm sure you know Grit from the Hartford Senators. Um, he uh, he walked me through a lot of different things, you know, how to get uniforms and, and equipment and so on. In fact, he invited me to a few games, to play in a few games, and then from that point on, I was hooked. You know, I, I, I put together a team and, uh, you know, when I first put the team together, I don't care, you know, if if you can breathe and and we're willing to pay the, the, the uniform fee, I'll take you. Right. So uh, we started out and we were not too competitive, but we had a great time, but that's where it started, you know, um, watching that game on, on ESPN.
0: Uh, I don't believe what's happening right now, Dan, if we can take a second, I think we're being joined by one Rudy frias let's see if he gets in here I see the logo up yeah he's he looks like he's working on it uh, <laughs> 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 look at this don't say What's up? Don't, so no don't say a word okay I won't say anything. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining the Zoom, the co-host of the Roller Out the Barrel show. We haven't seen him in weeks. (laughs) He's real, everybody. Santa's real, and so is Swamp Fox, Rudy Frias. Rudy, how you doing? (laughs) What? How,
3: how's it going everyone i'm so sorry See, covid tried to take me out of the game and it actually kind of did for a little bit but now i'm back so uh and i apologize for being late this is uh, was beyond my control and I'm, I'm quite upset about
0: it oh sorry about that uh so yeah what you missed was uh soda boots from colorado coming in and talking about an event on June 23rd through 25th. And now we have Dan Gunner Genovese, but that's the New York version, Genovese. Uh, and he is from the Westfield-Wheelman Vintage Baseball Club in Massachusetts. We were, we just went over his uh, schedule, and he was telling us how we got involved in vintage baseball, and boom, here you are. Ask him a question, Rudy. Jump right back in. Both feet, into the water. The giant uh, softball complex
2: here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. It, you know, from the highway it looks beautiful. It's at least 10 or 12, you know, fields. It's you just I think, I think huh? honestly, no joke, I think it's like
3: close to 30. Is it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. They 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 put their premier fields in the middle and up front towards the entrance and then so they host these massive tournaments. These week weekend long tournaments with hundreds and hundreds of teams and then they just they start them back at the the smaller lesser field and then you move into the middle.
2: Interesting. Yeah, looks great.
0: All right, back to it. Dan, uh tell me about you, your you look like you're an intense dude. Now that's just going off a, a visual of you. I don't know anything about you, Dan. <laughs> Tell me about right. some of these uh, vintage baseball injuries that uh, you've done. Injuries, sure.
2: <laughs> Probably the uh, uh, the most common injuries. You know, um, first of all, we we play uh, the overhand 1886 game, mm-hmm. and um, you know, most of the and of course I'm the catcher, and that was out of necessity in our first year. I was playing the outfield and, you know, it's the most challenging position in vintage baseball is the catcher uh, because, you know, back in 1886, most of these overhand ball ball throwers, you know, were just starting to learn speed, just starting, starting to learn control overhand compared to, you know, the guys today. You know, certainly at the age of 25, 30, 35, they've all been pitching and pitching as hard as they can, uh, pitching with good control. So, you know, the equipment you have as a catcher is pretty minimal. And, I, you know, um, I've had to adopt, you know, how to catch that ball as a catcher. You know, typically what an 86 club does here in, in this part of the country is We'll use a, a a glove from like 1914, and we'll we'll snip out the uh, the webbing, um, you know. And if you need any other protection, you can wear an, an overhand vintage glove underneath that. Um, but when I first started out, you know, um, I didn't put anything underneath there. And and as I said before, some of these guys they just want to throw gas because that's all they know. For with little little concern about me. And and my hand would be like ballooned, ballooned by the fourth inning and and a couple of days after that. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's my biggest early early years injuries. But beyond that, um, you know, we we found better quality uh, re- reproduction mitts from 1910 that have better padding, and uh, you know, so that's so that's I've improved that myself. And then of course. You know, you can't do the hand behind your back because number one, they didn't do that back then, and number two, in order to catch those foul tips, you got to have your hand ready. So occasionally, if I'm sleeping, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get a foul tip off the off your finger. So this is where you get you get busted here on these fingers here, primarily the throwing fingers. So um, I I've learned, you know, through trial and error, many many years of trial and error, and I feel pretty comfortable, you know. Uh, we're not getting injuries now.
0: We saw uh, out at the at old Beth Page um, this summer. I saw the Providence Grays play the Canton Corn Shuckers, and the catcher's glove was so paper thin. I thought, there's just no way that this is what's out. That was accurate. That was time period accurate. And I'm like, uh, I can't believe that we're playing with this, even though it was accurate. Uh but the guy the the gentleman from the Cane Corn Shuckers, uh Ryan Glazer, did a fabulous job. And then we interviewed people from California that are playing overhand, and they did say how they took liberties with the accuracy of the glove, and they went up a little bit so there was more protection, and everything. And you were just telling us to use something from like 1914, I believe, and made some alterations. Uh generally, are you guys altering your catcher's gloves out there on the uh, to to kind of make it more sustainable i guess
2: well at, at this point we we all use the same style a catcher's glove you know catcher's glove it's it's you know it's a like i said a glove from the nineteen tens and um simply because it's got more padding on it um you can't th- there were catcher's gloves back then but um they had a little bit more padding but you can't find those you know you can't go to you know, vintage Mart and, and find a, a 1886 catcher's glove. So you gotta, you gotta do the best. And and if everyone's doing the same thing, then it's okay. You know, I know, I know the guys in California, cause I've seen the photos and I've seen video. They're using more the the pillow style. Yes. You know, if you, if you notice that. So, but that's okay, you know um, but we, we do the best we can. And, and uh, it's, it's still, it doesn't make it any easier. Um, it's just a little bit more padding. You know, and then it, then it depends on 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 your pitcher. You know, is he is he just a a meathead who's just going to throw gas because he doesn't know any better, or and then has no no respect for you as the catcher and just beats the snot out of you, um, or you know, is he going to mix it up throwing junk and and uh, you know, which also can be a challenge too. But hey, uh, the tools of ignorance, right, is what they say. So, but it's 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 the best. H- had I known how much fun. Mm-hmm catching is i probably would have been a catcher in my you know growing up baseball life
3: okay and you know it's interesting because you mentioned how uh brief you, br- you briefly mentioned how you're not putting your you know your hand behind your back like you normally would set up uh as a modern catcher and uh, i i've caught before and but you know i i my brother ian is like just He's he's caught everything. He's caught pro players. He's caught he's caught everyone. I was wondering like what if there's like a disconnect if you need to separate and be like uh like tools and skills that modern catchers use that you just can't. I mean, I, or is the hand pretty much the the same thing? Like, are you doing are you doing is it the same tools? Are you slide blocking? Are you taking stuff off the chest or you trying to knock stuff down with the glove in the hand like I've never caught uh, an 86 game I've only pitched so I, I don't know anything about it as far as like from the catcher's perspective is it, yeah,
2: pretty it, much it, it plus I also do modern catching you know I'm um, in a few other modern leagues and you know um, where that game is more up and down up and down you're doing the blocking here but in vintage style, you know, because by the time the ball gets to the plate, it's it's swaying. So you got to go left, you got to go right, because you don't have the uh the pocket in the mitt to to get out there. So you got to see it coming and you got to go left, you got to go right. And uh uh, you know, and and oftentimes I I do like to uh stand back and try to make it authentic and not so much squat you know uh, because that's that was the style and then when a runner got on base we're talking the 1880s that's when the catcher got closer to the batter and began to semi-squat you know not not the squat that you know today where they got their legs spread out and all that stuff um, you, you bet you you look at any pictures too the catcher's like standing up um, way back until someone got on base and then you know um, or if it's an important, if there's two strikes on the batter, you do move up. Uh, because, uh, I, I think one of the things that I'm known for is catching that foul tip strikeout that, that ends an inning that ends a batter so quick. And that, and that's the coolest thing. A foul tip catch is an out. And that's, that's one of the things I like about this game, the 86 game. And it's something they should probably put in the modern game. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I have to tell you that um, I think we have the only no-hitter in vintage baseball nine-inning game, and I caught the game. So that's one of the things I I, I hang my hat on is I caught a no-hitter in a vintage game uh, nine innings. And uh, it's a classic, classic no-hitter where the fielders are just, are just making crazy, crazy – Defensive plays to to save it. So um, that was pretty cool. That's that's one of the highlights of my vintage uh, career. Was that was that a with
0: uh, one pitcher?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, we Ma- pa- matches Avery tremendous slider. We were uh, playing the uh, Simsbury Taverniers at Colt Park in Hartford, and uh, and that was great. That was something special. Didn't you know? By the time the fourth inning rolled around, I'm asking him. Not realizing there's a no hitter involved, I said, Are "You ready to come out?" Because we usually have you know a pitcher throw three or four innings, and then another pitcher, couple innings, and another pitcher. He's like, he says to me, "Are you crazy? I'm pitching a no hitter." So I did not even realize that, <laughs> you know, because the, the game's going quick, and you know, wow. all of a sudden he's got a no hitter going. And I'm like, ready to take him out. So, but we left him in there, and he and he finished it up. It was fantastic.
0: We're talking to Dan, and I
2: think that's probably the only no hitter in in overhand vintage baseball.
0: Well, you're about to find out if it really is because we're gonna get messages from the Pony Express telling us all the other no hitters that have happened in vintage baseball. But we're talking to Dan Genovese. Am I getting that right? Gen- Genovese, yeah. Genovese. Gunner from the Westfield Wheelman Vintage Baseball Club. Uh, would I be correct to assume that this this moniker of Gunner has come from the catcher position?
2: You well, know, actually, uh, uh, I had that prior to, cause, uh, like I said before, I, 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 didn't grow up being a catcher. I grew up in the outfield. And so, uh, uh, I fashioned that after, uh, throwing players out, you know, in the air from the outfield to the catcher. So oh. just a gun. That, that's where <laughs> it came from. So, but,
0: uh, well, that's all right. You can, flex. I mean, there are a
2: few things
3: better than throwing somebody out from the outfield. No, that's great. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the best. <laughs> that's like an inside the park home run which you don't yeah. you don't get that in vintage, but it's like that. It's like that feeling. Uh Dan, when you were a young man, a young boy, you still had the beard of course at 12. Uh when you were <laughs> even younger than that, what are your first baseball memories that you have?
2: Um I would say probably like many people in the Northeast is the first time you went to Fenway Park Um, and my father had brought me with a, uh, with a church trip. Um, we went, of course, you know, if you've never been to Fenway park and you're, you know, eight years old, nine years old, you know, you're, you're walking down below. It doesn't look like anything. And then you come out the runway and you see the green monster. It's like, holy shit. This is, what is this? You know, this is crazy. And, uh. So that was my first memory it was also the day we landed on the moon and and I I, I remember it was a was a July 20th 1969 or whatever that was um, and I remember them stopping the game and uh kind of a funny story is that uh uh what was it with uh, with Reggie Smith um he was coming to bat or no he he made an error or something and and everybody had transistor radios and heard that we that we just landed on the moon. They didn't announce it yet, and everyone's like cheering. He was like, "Why were they cheering when I made an error?" <laughs> uh, he didn't. So they eventually announced it. So that's that's my first memory uh, of baseball.
0: What about when you're wow. playing around the neighborhood uh, with the neighborhood kids? We always one of the favorite questions that we ask on the show because it gets such a good response and great answers is when you're a kid in your neighborhood, you're not rounding up 17 other kids to play an official baseball game. It's just not going to happen. Never. Right. So you have to implement your own rules, and you have to do with what you got. What did the baseball games look like in your neighborhood with uh, the kids?
2: Well, actually, uh, a lot of it was, was wiffle ball uh, in, in my neighbor's backyard, who was uh, a little bit older than me. So um he was really into it, and um, you know, we were playing Whiffle ball in the backyard with his house being the you know green monster, so to say. Uh, um, so we just had intense games of of of, uh, of playing Whiffle ball, you know, when you know it hits this, it's a ground rule double, it hits the roof, it's a home run, it hits the porch, it's a home run, you know uh, if, if you can get to the ball before it stops, it's an out you know on the ground so yeah we improvised in in that respect as well and uh you know we also spent a lot of time um in in my friend's backyard uh just hanging out um he had a a stucco garage and we would spend hours um throwing at the garage with a tennis ball uh in a hitting a target and actually you know playing a lot of imaginary games in that respect and how often you hit the strike zone. So, you know, there's, there's things you, you do, um, you know, back in the day and, and it just kept us going. That's, that that was a lot of fun. That's what you did.
0: Did you, uh, did you go through organized baseball uh, from say the minors all the way through? Did you, did you go that route?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I, I, I did, did the traditional route, at the time you know which was little league Mm -hmm. um the first thing you do is a level b then you go to the majors uh, or if you know if you're not good enough you go to level a before you get to the majors uh so then you know you do that you do the all-star thing um you know then i went to uh, babe ruth baseball uh and in uh, 1975 we went to the uh the first um uh babe ruth 13 year old world series And it was actually, now, if you look it up in their record books, record books, they don't count that because it was an experimental uh, event. And the reason we we were guinea pigs, they wanted to see how a 13 year old would travel because you had to you had to uh, hang out with uh, foster families, you know. So it was, you know, it wasn't like your parents driving you and you stayed in the hotel for, you know, three or four days or whatever. So it was a, we were like guinea pigs. They want to see how it worked and, and and it worked out great. You know, we did that for a new England regional tournament and then we did the same thing in, uh, in New Jersey. And then, uh, and then, you know, um, high school, uh, Legion, um, you know, college tri-county all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, a, a typical stepping stone from back of the day. Then of course you retired to softball, you know, and, uh, at that point, There wasn't many, um, you know, plus 25 or plus 30 baseball going on in this area. Um, And then so I actually had to retire from playing ball because um, I had two kids. Um, They were growing up. Um, I couldn't spend, you know, five nights a week going from town to town playing ball. That just it went over like a fart in church. So (laughs) I had to uh, I had to retire, raise the kids. And by the time they were old enough, you know, I was like in the way. So I went and started playing back, you know, playing ball again. So that was, that was, that was kind of cool. So it uh, was this, was this, uh,
3: eventually, I mean, and I apologize cause I'm coming late to the party. Was this eventually the next step vintage baseball? Like you discovered vintage baseball through your, your, your baseball when you, when you came back to the game or uh, yeah. How did you discover it?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, what's interesting is, um, soon after nine, nine eleven um, I started, uh, doing a lot of research on, on local baseball history for some reason. I don't have anything to do with nine 11. It's just the whole American thing. And I was, I was just doing some, some start off research, just checking a few things that, you know, I found somewhere where, uh, uh, it, it, here in Westfield, we had a, a player who was born, um, played 13 years in the major leagues, uh, starting in 1880, uh, 1884, um, played 13 years in the major leagues, born in this town in Westfield, Massachusetts. And there isn't, you wouldn't know, it. there isn't anything that that says, you know, anything in town, no plaque, no nothing. So I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I started doing some more research. There was another player who played at a cup of coffee um, in the major leagues under a false name in 1883. It's like, wow, this is cool. So I was kind of into the 19th century baseball mode, doing some research. And then um, we were talking earlier about how this started. And I had seen the ball game on ESPN back in 04, I think it was. Uh, and it was, it was between the Hartford Senators and the Pittsfield Owls. Um, And it was broadcasted in sepia, you know, which is, you know, which this is really, this is a like crazy cool. I, you know, I have to, I have to go see this. And believe it or not, it's, you know, it was up in Pittsfield, uh, but they did have other games in the area. So I did visit, I watched the game, and then, and then I then I went and spoke to people like Grit Moran from the Senators, who was extremely helpful, uh, helping me, you know, understand where to get the belt, where to get the bats, balls, uniforms, all that stuff, and, you know, how to develop a team. And, and then I actually played a couple of games with the Senators, uh, just to really confirm, was like, once I played a couple of games, I said, this is it, this is what I want to do. So... So, you know, so that's that's how I got hooked is that, that game that was on TV. And, and then I went to see one. And I said, this is this is great. This is what I want to do. So I did.
0: And uh, the uniforms for the Westfield Club are pretty sharp. Uh, when you're seeing this on the YouTube channel, you can see. Are those two different uniforms? There's <laughs> you standing yeah, there's, in a there's, maroon there's, top. Ac-
2: there's actually an, another uniform. Um, you know, we, we started out. With uh, all white, and with Westfield across the chest, and uh, then I wanted to mix it up a little bit. Um, go with uh, more of the uh, of the sun collar, as you can see on some of the uh, some of the ball players, and then I have one here that's me, of course, uh, in a in a whole different maroon color, um, you know. And w- when you look at photos of town teams back in the you know late nineteenth century. Uh, you notice they're not all perfectly uniform, no. you know, it's 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 whatever they can find. And then you go to the Depression era and the guys are wearing whatever, you know, so it's 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 more it's more accurate than than you might think. Wait a second.
3: Are you suggesting that they weren't all mass produced, manufactured, cookie cutter uniforms? What?
2: Yeah. Not that you can just buy off the shelf in, in, in a week, you know. <laughs> So it, it kind of gives it more of an authentic look, you know, I love it. It looks sharp.
3: I mean, yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I've am i always been a proponent of that. The teams that are a little hodgepodgy in their uniforms, like, like, I mean, I always use the Atlantics as the, they're patching together their uniform. And right. I feel like that's like more historically accurate. So. <laughs> and
2: then you see this guy behind us here in the high wheel bicycle. You see that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a real high wheel bicycle because the wheelman, um, the it was the uh, it was a bicycle factory in in Westfield at the time, and so we got our name from an actual the Westfield Wheelman, a baseball club at the time in the yeah. mid 1880s, and uh, you know it all stems from from bicycle production, and this guy here, Andale, uh, one of our pitchers, um, went out and bought one, you know. Uh, and and he learned how to ride it, which is crazy. And so he brings it. He brings it with us everywhere. He brings it. He brought it to Beth Page, uh, from from, you know, Massachusetts. Wow. And And
3: um, I think I mean, I, it, I'm going to be completely honest. It's kind of a fog. I feel like I have a memory of seeing that bike at Gettysburg.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> <it>. which
3: <laughs> barrel roller. If you can imagine, it's n- like. You could roll an ankle getting out of the parking lot like on these on these grounds. And the fact that that thing's going <laughs> up and down the field at Gettysburg, I was like, uh, you know, what, that's the mo- one of the
2: most impressive things I've seen. Yeah, we had uh, in Westfield the 350th birthday of, of the town of Westfield. And of course, um, we, we were invited to go on the parade and we were on a horse drawn carriage, except for him. He was on a on the high wheel bike and going around the thing and the fans were loving it and You know, it must've, it must've been like five miles and he never got off it and he never slowed down and just going. he was, he's spectacular. So it really does bring a little bit of a hit, you know, a little bit more history to, uh, to it, especially for this town, since that's where these bikes were made, which is cool.
0: Well, we have a saying here on the podcast that nobody, uh, nobody will treat it special if you don't treat it special. And, uh, so obviously you guys treat it special. So we, we appreciate that. Uh, happening yeah uh dan can you tell me some of the favorite venues of yours personally that you've had a chance to play at over the years
2: yeah that's uh you know we as a group we love old beth page you know um we 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 like the fact that um you know it's a historical uh, replication and there's other people walking around and in uh, 18th century garb which is really cool um, you have a and, and we usually play you of course we usually play on the hottest weekend in August right so uh, it's it's hotter than hell and there's a lot of shade in fact right in the middle we all tend to congregate you know um, for for you know post-game meals and drinks and so on so it's real simple it's it's, it's nice right there we can change out of our uniforms because they're hot and smelly and, you know, in the street clothes before we get back at it. And, 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 you know, um, and it's really nice because you get a lot of people coming by because it's a, a state run facility, historical place where you get a lot of, you get a lot of crazy looks, you get a lot of questions. So we like to spend the time and talk about it and promote it. So that's probably, uh, that's probably our, our, our favorite place to play. And we'll be going back there. You know, we we loved, uh, um, um, you know, where were we? Uh, Gettysburg. But I I personally like Old Bethpage a little bit better. I think that's cool. I, uh, go ahead, I,
3: I mean, <clears throat> there, there's so much history with both of those locations, but I feel like Old Bethpage has the history of, like, one of the birthplaces of vintage baseball. Like, so, I mean, for... For our community, I feel like it's uh, Old Beth Page and uh, Muffin Meadow. Like they both hold equal weight in the same sense that they're state-run and they have all these, you know, such a rich history of vintage baseball, nineteenth-century baseball. So, right. Yeah. Right.
2: You know, and and we we've tr- we've played in a lot of other facilities. I mean, we've traveled to California. You know, uh, like you said, Gettysburg um and there's in in our in our next town over in springfield uh there's forest park which has a a really old grandstand which is really cool that kind of thing and and, and even in our hometown we have a nice grandstand um you know built in the 30s so it's not 19th century but um you know it's well preserved and it's tough to get that feel because you know all the all the kids use it and, and you know college uh summer leagues use it so Tough to get it, but it, that's that's pretty cool. So um, I got to say, though, Beth Page is, is our favorite for that. You know, just because you're right, you're right with all the players and all the teams, and right in the middle of all the games.
0: You guys do travel so well. Uh, that seemed to be a point of emphasis you uh, you brought up earlier because you know you don't have a lot of events, so everybody everybody has a high commitment level when you have less events because they know it could be That's two true. if they if they don't show up to one it could be two months and no baseball for them so right exactly <laughs> uh do you have any on the road stories that you're willing to share with us you don't have to use names but perhaps uh an on the road story with your club maybe not on the field necessarily
2: oh man um I think uh, nothing crazy comes to mind, you know, hanging out at the the hotel, um, hanging out by the pool and old Beth Page. um, Nothing crazy. Um, God, I I, they're all crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think, uh, you know, we've been doing this for seven. This will be our 17th season. I think we've probably slowed down a little bit. You know, so we've probably gotten less crazy and, and much smarter.
0: What do you guys <laughs> you know? use? You've been around for 17 years. What do you guys use as recruiting tools besides word of mouth and trying to get everybody's friend or cousin to play? Uh, if you really that, want to get no, the that's word it. out, that's, that's it?
2: We, we, you know, we don't advertise. Um, you know, we have our Facebook page. We occasionally will get someone, um, you know, wanting to, you know, understand how to join the team, how to join the club. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to them for a little bit and invite them out if they want to come out. Um, but it's it is definitely word of mouth or someone knows somebody. Um, hey, we're going to be short this weekend. Who do you got? You know, can you make some calls? And we you know we got spare uniforms and and uh, and in- inevitably they they end up loving the game. And a lot of times they'll come back the following game. And then so once you get someone to play, they're hooked, you know, so. It's, it's, it's all word of mouth. That's everyone, you know, everyone plays ball and everyone knows everybody.
0: The fun, that's the funny thing about vintage baseball is, you know, like when you watch a TV series, okay. Like when the walking dead started and I was getting people telling me, you got to watch a show, you got to watch the show. And I started watching it and you get like three episodes in, you're like, uh, I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but you go on, <laughs> on the field and you play a vintage baseball match you know, the first time, you know, that first game, that first day, if you're coming back, do you want more or, or is this just not for you? It's not something you have to contemplate very long. And, uh, that, that always amazes me. Yeah. You know,
2: it's, it's, it's the experience of, of learning the game over. Uh, it's the experience of hanging out with, with us. You know, I, I like to promote that, that we're, uh, we're, we we know the game um we know baseball we have great conversation after the game uh, about anything and everything and uh we're just you know we're good guys to hang with so we have a good time for sure especially post game
0: <laughs> especially post game what is the drink of choice for for the wheelman what seems to be the, the Well you drink? know
2: that's that's a that's a great question it <laughs> used to be blue moons
0: oh used to be
2: um and then i personally went on a kick to to go keto oh right so i was in the uh, i was in the well in the 200 club you know maybe 210 at one time and you know um so then i for some reason um i wanted to lose it you know i want to get back to high school college weight and um so then I stopped because you you have three or four of those things and, and you are just bloated. You know, uh-huh. they, then you look at the, the label, how many carbs in a blue moon? If Oof. everyone's got one, I mean, it's like probably like 30 or 40. It's like insane. So once I started doing keto, I got rid of that. And a lot of guys got rid of it. So I think you're going to find a lot of. You know, Trulies, and you know it's not the most manly thing. Oh no,
0: god, no, you know. please, no. Tell me that. No, 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 you
2: own that truly. Yes.
3: No. They're delicious and refreshing.
0: I thought for sure we were going Stop. to vodka. What happened? Where did the train well, get no, derailed? And we yeah, went to know, a seltzer's. Cheetos and seltzer is is,
2: is <laughs> also in the in the cooler. For sure.
0: Uh I, I mean,
3: I'm I'm right there with you. I did I, I was I, uh, after my first kid, I was close to 230. And then I, I went keto and cut out all the beer and alcohol for, uh, I I did 35 days and it was miserable, but (laughs) I got under, I got under 200 pounds. And then I found that, you know, just a, a simple, uh, a a flask of rum, a little, a little, you know, a little diet Coke gets me, I'm fine. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it's the holiday season, so I make exceptions for uh, holiday beers. But you and you know, got to be strong
2: willed, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Hey, Rudy's a vegetarian, uh, not not by uh, he doesn't really have a reason, <laughs> but he is a vegetarian. I'm, 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 by I'm
3: a vegetarian adjacent.
0: <laughs> yes, Rudy. I'm curious. You had the tofurkey, the Tofurky for Thanksgiving. Yeah. What is the uh, what uh-huh. is the vegetarian equivalent of the ham for Christmas? What is that? Uh it's another uh, to- It not is it, it, it another tofurkey it,
3: it's it's more tofurkey oh <laughs>
0: god damn that guy needs a cheeseburger okay uh <laughs> best cheeseburger in massachusetts dan where's it at
2: i would say best cheeseburger um you're not it's not going to be a chain i'm not going to say five guys i'm going to say uh 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 God, what's the name of the place? I just don't go there anymore. Um, all right, I'm going to say Seven Bees in Westfield.
0: Seven okay. Bees. Not too far from the airport. Uh, Dan, you've been great. Thanks for being on the show. We're not letting you go yet, but I really appreciate okay. you coming on this show uh, that you didn't know much about, I assume. I don't know. Have you ever heard this show? Do you know us? I I've been, uh, I've been cramming the last few days. Oh, we get a lot of crammers on the show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) if you go, we have a hundred and, Oh, we're almost at 180 episodes. There's a lot of cramming you can do.
2: Wow. Uh, well, only, only, uh, maybe a handful comes up on
3: YouTube. Oh, yeah, the the YouTube, the YouTube is a a recent event, right? We've only, well, uh, it's almost up to date. There's only a few episodes that are uh, not up to date, but yeah.
0: So I went two and a half seasons as a solo act, Dan, and then Rudy joined me because he also had a vintage baseball podcast that was more Columbus Capitals centralized, at least in the beginning, and uh he decided to pull the plug on that, so I swooped in like a, like I'm the New York Yankees and uh, <laughs> picked him up. Uh, uh, brought him so him out. So ever I'm since, riding
3: your coattails, buddy.
0: So ever since uh, he's joined, we've branched out. So that's where the YouTube thing came from. So we don't have, I don't know if we'll ever go back and just add audio onto the YouTube channel. I don't know what we're going to do, but probably a lot more of our play-by-play uh, matches that we're gonna go to and stuff like that will show up in all the in all the future interviews from whenever he joined to the future because I didn't even do Zoom until Rudy came along. I just did audio uh, mediums, so lots of changes. We don't yeah. even know what we're gonna look like in a year. We don't even know. Isn't that the exciting part? <laughs> we don't know what's going on. But no, we could have our own network. But Dan, right. if you go back to if you go to Podbean. Dot com right? And you find us on there. You can go back in the archives and you can find an interview with, uh, Oh, geez. Uh, uh Paul Salamone. It, we have an interview with him before his, uh, before his passing. We have Marjorie Adams. We have an interview mm-hmm. with one of my first interviews was with, uh, Chuck Chicarello Uh, we've done quite a few East coasters. Well, we do go all over the country, and you hear the different rules yeah. and the and the different ways it gets played, and the different venues, yeah. and and it's really good. But uh, you should try to uh, convert those to YouTube, and just for the audio.
3: Yeah, and honestly, I think the beautiful thing is, is that you like you were talking about how well traveled your team is, and existing for seventeen years. Like I know for a fact there will be people listening to this episode and they'll think they'll be blown away they'll be like wait what this isn't a new club like the fact that we can tie it in and bring and introduce people to the community throughout the whole community that's invaluable
2: yeah yeah and you know we've we've seen clubs come and go um but we we stay um you know we could have left we could have just quit but it's like no the guys don't want to quit and you know, we we hear rumblings of new teams starting maybe an hour, two hours away in travel. That's just pretty good. So and then Chuck, you mentioned Chuck a few minutes ago. He's He's been the savior of vintage baseball in uh, in, in northern Connecticut, which is great. So uh, hats off to Chuck to really keep pushing. And we know this year we're actually going to spin off a team um, from Springfield, Mass. So we're pretty proud of that. And uh, and that's great. So. Um we're we're we 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 continue.
3: That's fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I've I'm
3: following, I've seen posts on Facebook about the Springfield team. So I'm really excited to see how that uh how that pans out. Is this Spring yeah. is this That'd Springfield
0: team a whole separate club or is this more of a travel club? Uh what's the configuration of that?
2: Well it's it's this guy here, on Andale condy, and, Andale not me, him, the bike guy. Um can't do that anyways um (laughs) he's uh he's starting a team and but at the same time he's going to play with us when when there's no conflicting schedule so and i think he's going to focus a lot on the 64 game um okay and 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 less on the uh, 86 game um but he won't you know he'll be playing with us when we you know when we venture on the road so yeah
0: as you get older, the transition from 86 to 64 seems inevitable.
2: Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we're like 50-50 now. When we first started out, we were you know, 100% uh, 86, but we're probably 50-50, maybe leaning a little bit more towards the overhand.
0: <laughs> all right. Dan, before we so, get you out of here, if you listen to the end of the episodes, if you make it all the way to the end of a Roller on Roll the Barrel episode, we do a little thing called Giving You the Old Pepper. And that's right. what's going to happen right here. Dan, tell us one of the best Christmas gifts you ever received.
2: Okay. Um, I'm going to say a Joe Namath doll. Oh. Like a Barbie doll, but Joe Namath. I don't know why I got it, but but, you know, he had his Jets uniform and he had, I'm not a Jets fan, but he had a Jets uniform and then he had, you know, street clothes. To go with it and whatever you know say what you want i wish i still had that doll probably worth you know thousands now
0: i don't know he's overrated what dish did you overdo it on during thanksgiving and you're big on the keto and taking care of yourself now and you probably tried to not overdo it but was there something you probably had an extra helping of that you regret
2: um i you know i'm smart you know um um, we, we had turkey breast and we had, uh, we had ham. Um, you know, I didn't eat any pie. Uh, I, I can be honest and say that. So um, I don't think you're going to get me on that one. Honestly, I'm, I'm very strict on it.
0: It's not living know, if you're maybe not too having many, pie. Uh,
2: maybe too many Tito's.
0: No, you're just not enjoying life if there's no pie. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, oh, Rudy's got his Nakatomi Plaza shirt on. I appreciate that. Uh what is your family's gift-giving tradition? Is it all Christmas morning? Are you doing some stuff Christmas Eve? What do you guys do?
2: Well, you know, when, when my wife and I were first married, we used to do uh, Christmas Eve and just, you know, get the gifts out of the way, just the two of us. And, and then that would save time in the morning. We could just get up and go to, you know, her parents or my parents for the family dinner. But uh, now, um, you know, my kids are out of the house. And in fact, they have kids. so it's so they have to go to other people. So it seems like we do Thanksgiving. everyone comes to our house and now for Christmas, you know we'll we'll spend the morning till about noon alone and then people will start coming over, you know after they spend time with the other half of the family. So uh, it changes, you know. But uh, so that's what we do.
0: Dan, what was your first car?
2: uh a VW rabbit diesel.
0: Wow. Uh Christmas tree. Uh oh if, go if, ahead.
2: If you tailgated me up a hill, uh you'd know it. <laughs> that diesel th- this this was like an early diesel this is like a nineteen eighty diesel and 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 you I would throw a smoke cloud behind it. It would be disgusting.
0: <laughs> uh Christmas trees real or fake? Fake. What Christmas song do you get tired of real quick?
2: The very first one I hear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you collect anything?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I I'm I'm no Tracy Martin, but if you go in my garage, oh. um, you're gonna see a lot of uh, old catcher's masks displayed on the wall. Um, you know, uh, I maybe have to a dozen um and and these are stuff you find on ebay typically dating you know early 20th century maybe a 1950s yogi Berra mask but certainly i I try to i try to capture as many of the old masks as possible and strip them down uh paint them and and put them on the wall
0: uh there nobody is tracy martin i think I think we yeah, can no, all say that. <laughs>
2: is, is that a real uh, museum, or is that just his house?
0: No, it's, it, well,
3: it's both. It's, it's his both. house, and then the museum is in his, is his entire basement. Wow, and it is, it, it is amazing. Yeah, last, I'm never out that way. I have
2: to go visit.
0: Last year during the Ohio it's, Cup, it's we amazing. were supposed to make plans to go to his house, but he went to Los Angeles, and Rudy couldn't, so <laughs> or something yeah. like that. But this next year at the Ohio Cup, I'm sure we'll do something about that. Uh, what is right. your, Dan, what is your favorite cheese?
2: Uh, uh, sharp, sharp cheddar.
0: Uh, build us what your favorite pizza looks like.
2: Well, <laughs> that's easy. Of course, it all starts from the crust, right? So as a keto, it's cauliflower crust. That's the main, you know. If 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 uh, if Pepe's uh, Pizza can make cauliflower pizza, that that's what it would be. So, um, I'm I'm a pretty traditional guy. I don't, uh, although I do like Hawaiian pizza, as long as the uh, uh, you know the the uh, what is it? The pineapple is cooked. So I do love Hawaiian pizza, but it's got to be cooked, and and then of course the uh, the cauliflower crust, which is great, thin crust.
0: Uh, I love the Hawaiian pizza. I'm a big pineapple guy. I also have switched to the cauliflower crust because uh, when I started my dieting, I guess it's dieting, uh, I got up to 290. Rudy, I was 290. Uh, I am now back down to 266. I am two pounds pounds away from my playing weight. No, Rudy, I'm not playing. And... (laughs) But I'm going to keep going. But what I've been doing, I took all bread out of my, my yeah. and uh, so, but I love pizza so much I couldn't get rid of pizza, so it's all cauliflower crust right. for me. And, and,
2: then, and more and more places are making it, so that's a good news. Yeah.
0: It, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And it's not it's not bad at all. So uh, I do the intermittent fasting, everybody. That's how I've lost weight. Well, and I also oh, took oh. out all pop, all fast food i'll bread yeah. i think and that's about it and i've really i i was never a sugar guy so th- so taking out uh sugar hasn't hasn't been a big problem hey uh vintage of How about vin- my first concert oh I'm, uh, can you see my list oh yeah what, what's going on here <laughs> did you listen you've listened to an episode I will, before the first concert I was going to ask what your favorite vintage event that you want that you want to go to that you haven't gone to yet is mm.
2: um I, I think I I think I'd like to go to uh California um and what is it the uh the California Cup um but that's that's just their teams yeah you know um which so yeah, obviously there's there's no invite there, but um what is so that's kind of cool. I'd like to, you know, I like the overhand game. I I would like to go out there, but you know, um is it the is it where's the where's the game? Is it Greenfield? Is there a tournament in uh
0: yeah, it's a uh Rudy, take this one.
3: Oh, the World Tournament of Historic yeah. Baseball in Greenfield Village. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's a that is an 1867 tournament.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, like I said, we're, we're spinning more towards the underhand game, 1860s. That's why we went to, uh, um, you know, Gettysburg. So like I said, cause the guys are, they're starting to like that a little bit more now. So maybe that's on our list.
0: That world's tournament should be on everybody's list because the atmosphere alone is something you don't experience at a lot of different places. So.
2: Right. Cool. Uh, yeah.
0: Dan, what's your first concert you ever went to?
2: (laughs) Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer, (laughs) 1978. (laughs) Wow! In fact, it was it was the first two concerts uh, I've ever been to. Two months later, two months later, after the uh, Hartford Civic Center roof collapsed, so they had to move the concert in March to to Springfield. So that was a that was a blessing.
0: If animals could talk. You woke up one morning and the news said animals can talk. What's the first animal you're going to?
2: Uh, My dog.
0: You don't want to know what your dog has to say.
2: (laughs) She pretty much tells me.
0: (laughs) She yells at me. Dogs are definitely Karens if they had a voice. Uh, You went to Fenway Park as uh, a young boy. I assume you're a Red Sox fan to this day. What's your Mount Rushmore Correct. of Red Sox players? Your personal Mount Rushmore.
2: All right. Well, of course, you know um, uh, Yaz, right? You got uh, Pudge, Fisk. How many are there? Five. Four. Four. Is there? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You, know, you you got to put Poppy in there. Huh. You got to put uh, uh, El Tiante right
0: that's it and uh, no no that's four you're that's not allowed four? to say don't say another name nope okay nope all right <laughs> I mean,
2: those are those are you no. Know, I grew up with you know you can go down to Ted Williams and a few others right but
0: we don't do honorable mentions nope yeah. uh <laughs> hey Rudy your favorite Red Sox player of all time
3: um nomar Garcia para no eh,
0: he was all right My favorite Red Sox player is uh, the next one who strikes out. Ah, (laughs) sorry. Dan, you've been awesome. I knew you would be. Uh, Thank you. Good time. I stalk you people out, and I I wait, and I look like a wolf in tall grass (laughs) waiting to pounce on somebody who has personality and who has stuff to say that people are going to want to hear. Dan. You were my prey this week. (laughs)
2: Thank you. I got more to talk about, so uh, bring me back someday.
0: Well, we'll we'll see you in person someday for sure. Uh, That'll happen, but, yeah, we're not going anywhere. So anytime you got to, in the future, you want to talk about a specific, uh, you know, item, we'll get you on the warm-up. We'll talk about a specific rule or uh, something like that you obviously have something to give to the game as far as knowledge and advice. So, uh, yeah, yep. we're not done with you and we hope you're not done with us.
2: <laughs> Excellent. A great time. Thanks for having me guys.
0: You have a good night, Dan Rudy, stay in the room. Uh, we need to talk, okay. but, uh, Dan, okay. we're going to wish you a good night that and a happy cool. holiday.
2: See you later guys. Thank you. Hey, have a happy holidays. You too. all.
0: And uh, I'm still recording. I th- I just thought we should get together for a couple minutes and say hi.
3: Hi, <laughs> oh buddy, oh my goodness! First off, I want to thank you for your patience uh, and understanding. Um, like, like while I was sick, I could not talk. <clears throat> And I was on mute a few times. I think I snuck a, a cough in once or twice during this episode, and I apologize because I'm still recovering. But also, I I was late. I so as you know, and you we've talked about. I have put in some time in decorating my house for sure. uh, Christmas, and um, the neighborhood has trolley rides where that you can sign up for a 20 minute trolley ride through the neighborhood and you can see the homes in the neighborhood because yes there is a competition and there is a prize for
0: decorating oh. the homes
3: um they were a half hour behind schedule i signed up for the 620 slot and i was like oh i'll be home by 645 it's just down the street piece of cake we're going to do this episode This is going to be a fantastic Sunday. Uh, Needless to say, uh, they ran late. And not only were they behind schedule, I saw the most amazing house that's put, I was like immediately, I was like, well, I'm not winning because this (laughs) house put the Griswolds to shame. Like, I'm not, like, it was, I'm going to take a picture so you can see it. It is amazing. Amazing. And it's a life goal. I think maybe in 20 years I can reach what they've accomplished, but it, it, it definitely put me in my place.
0: Well, it's good to have you back at whatever, 90% or whatever you're at. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, I've been feeling much better too, but then I think just by association, you got on the zoom and all of a sudden I had a little cough. I had to leave, uh, jump out of the, the view of the, the Zoom for a cough. So I think what you've done has infected me. Uh, I'm so sorry. Well, I just kept thinking, I kept thinking of you on this trolley and I couldn't help but start thinking about this. (laughs) Uh, Truly the Titanic of trolleys. But you know what? We got through it. We only got two more episodes. I want to go through... a couple of things hey if you're still listening to us thanks for sticking around we had you know obviously we had audio issues actually I did for some reason they never popped back up either that was weird but uh we got through it and i no i'm i didn't edit it i'm not editing it i don't do that not for these things i'll do it for other things but uh yeah. so uh, we have an episode tomorrow night. We get to talk about vintage football and vintage baseball in the same oh episode. Goodness. Next week is our season ender with Tom Fezelwitch. Am I saying that right? Is it Fasola Witch?
3: Yep, there it is.
0: Fisola Witch, big bat. Another big yep. bat. Uh, now, Rudy, what we're gonna do during that episode, and I have discussed this with Tom, is we're gonna open up, we're gonna we're gonna put the Zoom link out there while we're recording. Oh, man. We're going to bring in people, you, I, and Tom are all going to, we're going to bring in one person at a time. We're going to ask them three questions and then boot their ass out of the Zoom. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) You get to ask these people any question you want. So it doesn't have to be (laughs) okay. any question you want and uh, they'll get their three questions and they'll be gone. And then we'll continue our interview with Tom until somebody else comes in. We'll see how that goes. That should be fun. That's our season ender. Um, so, Rudy, I have officially declared the Roller-Onto-Barrel Show going to the Salfordell Cup September 16th and 17th in Spring Hill, Tennessee at the Ripavilla Plantation. That That's gold. That's happening. Also, uh, we're. Yes. I assume that we're in favor. Uh, let's take a vote. Are we... Uh, Are we broadcasting from the World's Tournament in Dearborn, Michigan? Raise your hand. Are we in? All right.
3: Well, (laughs) (laughs) invitation or not, yes.
0: Oh, you don't know. You don't know if you're in or not yet as a club?
3: No, 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 not yet.
0: Let me ask you this. Oh, I can't ask you that. That's too personal. Uh, Whether the Columbus Capitals go to the World's Tournament or not, I'll be broadcasting for sure and then we'll see what Rudy's allowed to do. Uh and then of course the Ohio Cup. I think we're both we're both into that uh Sulphur Dell's a couple of weeks later so it doesn't interfere in any way shape or form. And uh we'll be doing some shenanigans from the Ohio Cup and as well we should. We get to see a lot of people there. Oh yeah. Uh anything on the vintage baseball front that you'd like to get across to some people no oh no no, no? you got your schedule on yet no <laughs> so uh contact Rudy if you want to play against the Columbus capitals
3: no, actually don't 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 uh, I that's a very <laughs> thank you bear roller but no don't contact
0: lots me. of openings <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, Are the Columbus Capitals going to the Akron Cup?
3: Um, I wish I had an answer for you.
0: Okay. I was hoping I, you, you did I have an so. answer. You don't know yet for sure. It's just not confirmed. Yes. Okay. That's a date I'd like to add, if possible. Okay. So, if if you
3: want to add it, I will, I will make... It, it has now become a priority for our club. It
0: doesn't have to be a club event though. It can just be a Rudy, a roller out the barrel event. It you don't have to play.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I love the Akron Cup. I want to play, but I also want to do the podcast. So I'm going to have my cake and eat it too.
0: You just uh, yes, I understand. I agree with you. Having cake is in my past. <laughs> I can fit into my fat I'm clothes so now, Rudy. You, I can fit into my fat clothes. Like, I am at no, my... No,
3: that, that, you know what?
0: I'm at pre-COVID weight.
3: buddy. That's not easy.
0: Actually, it hasn't been that hard. I'll tell you why it hasn't been that hard. Is because I have a job that uh, is quite physical. And then I have a side gig okay, on the yeah. weekends that I get a ton of walking in on. And uh, so I've always said, all I have to do is eat better. And so, there you go. The fasting and the eating better is doing what I thought it would. Now, there is going to come a point here pretty soon because I know my body where I'm going to stop losing weight because it's going to say, now what you're doing is not enough. You are going to have to oh, kick it yeah. up a notch if you want to continue this. So, we'll see how much I mean it when that point comes. But I'm still losing a pound and a half a week uh, at this point. So, I'm pretty happy about it. And yes. I got, I mean, I got to look, I went through Thanksgiving. I didn't lose any weight that week, but I also didn't gain any weight that week. And, uh, there you go. Christmas might be a little harder. We got a lot of events to go to, so we'll see, but I haven't had, Yeah. look, I had to break down and have McDonald's came back with their bagels for breakfast and the steak bagel for breakfast is by far my favorite fast food item that's ever been out. So I was on this diet and fasting when it came back because it's been gone for some years. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to have one. I'm not going to have one. Mm-hmm. And then there was a day when I wasn't feeling well. It was a Friday. I was at work. And I really felt like I needed to eat something to feel better. And I was delivering to a gas station that had a McDonald's in it. And I had one of those steak bagels and my butthole burned for two days. <laughs> <laughs> I made so many trips to the restroom. It was one of the worst experiences my stomach has ever went through. And at the time it was awful, but now I'm like, you know what? Good. Good. Because I don't think I could risk going back and having a fast food item.
3: Oh, my gosh. You really do paint a picture.
0: (sighs) Well, what can you do? I mean, it was painful. Seriously. Uh, All right. Well, good good to see you, my friend. I'm glad you're doing well. It's good to see you. Your shirt is awesome. Thank you for the look what I have on. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we uh this has been a busy day
3: for me. I was just in Ashland, Ohio, which is about an hour north of us, and um we were decorating holiday cookies. And I did my my John McClane gingerbread man for you. So oh, that God. It we're connected.
0: We are connected. If you go back in the archives on Podbean, we re-released we did do a re-release of a watch along I did with JD Klein, who, by the way, has an idea for doing a watch along to Trading Places. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, but you can go way back to Rudy and I doing an audio reading of a Die Hard Christmas. Uh, that was first season, oh. right? That was yes. It was r- right at the beginning. Yes, yes, because I think we started started this podcast in December. We had chimney yep. lube from the from the brewery. Oh, they still have ill
3: mannered brewery. Ill mannered.
0: Oh my god! Now they they so make good. make it in cans. You can get it to go. <sighs> Let's go back to ill mannered brewery next Christmas. Let's do it.
3: I I'm down absolutely.
0: Yes, we're going to do that. Uh, We'll get some more capitals and some uh, German Village 9. I need a couple of German Village 9 guys in my life. Yeah, those
3: guys are great. Let's get those guys. Uh,
0: And then, of course, we'll get a couple muffins. Anybody else? No, that's probably it. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow night. I'm going to see you tomorrow night.
3: This is great. I'm so excited. All right. This is this is the best. All,
0: All right. right. Uh, happy holidays, to everybody that stuck around and listened. Uh, so much, so much more coming for the roller on the barrel show. But for now, Rudy, tell them,
3: ladies and gentlemen, for the barrel roller. This is the Swamp Fox saying, keep it station the station, and we'll see you out in the field. What does the fox say?
0: That's what the fox said.